You are listening to the Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer and aspiring software architect. And I'm Beej, the advancing journeyman developer. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash complete developer podcast. Hey, Beej. What's happening? Yeah. I need you to go ahead and bring some beer by. The way your office is laid out affects your ability to work and can increase or decrease productivity. The ideal environment can vary wildly depending on the particular programmer, type of product, or even role on the team. We're going to go over the different types of environments and their furnishings, then talk about distractions that can happen in different environments and finally, discuss the different influences on your work environment. But before we get started, Will, what have you been fighting this week? Well, I uh, I finally got going again last week. You know, I got uh, you know I got caught up on you know all the all the different emails that needed to go out. Got a lot of stuff done uh, here around the house. And today, I pranked the ever loving crap out of our junior developer. You've been stressed at work lately. Uh, I was a little bit stressed, um, but no, he. Uh, he neglected to lock his workstation today. And so I went on Google image search and I found a, cause he's a, he's a designer type guy. And so I found like a really small, uh, hello kitty background <laughs> and then expanded it to cover his whole desktop. So not only was it hello kitty, but it was pixelated, <laughs> which triggered the crap wow. out of him. I was so proud. <laughs> I just had to share that with everybody. That's awesome. Cause sometimes, sometimes you got to do that to people, you know? So how about you? We've been working our tails off. The team bit off a little bit more than we could chew on the last sprint. Uh, some of the stories actually ended up being a bit more than we'd originally expected. So, like, we, when we looked at them, we efforted them at a certain level, and they turned out to be bigger than what we expected when we got in there and started building them. And that does happen sometimes. Most of the long weekend, the weekend before last, was taken up with just little bitty bug fixes here and there. And the timing was always really annoying for me because, like, I was out to lunch with you yeah. one time when when they found a bug and I had to go home. And then I was out on a date another time when that happened. So it was just like, oh, come on, guys. Timing. Oh, man. Well, this past Saturday, we had developer launch pad, um, which was a lot of fun. Then I went to a friend's birthday party at this really cool place in Nashville called Headquarters Beercade. It's basically a bar full of old arcade games. And I'm talking like Pac-Man and Galaga and Street Fighter. We're, we're talking like old school video games. So it was really cool. Speaking of arcades, though, I have something to help you build your own this week for IOTs. This week I have a product called SparkFun Micro Arcade Kit. It's designed to be used with the MicroBit, which is an ARM-based embedded system designed by the BBC for use in computer education in the UK. Inside of each Micro Arcade Kit, you'll find all you need to build your own game system. The GamerBit serves like a hat for something like an Arduino, but for the MicroBit, that allows you to access a number of pins in the form of buttons laid out similar to those of a classic Nintendo NES controller. Even Will can build this one because the kit does not require any soldering. Oh, very nice. And is recommended for anyone curious about gaming or about the micro-bit platform. Yeah, I think probably some of the newer listeners haven't heard those jokes. <laughs> um, I can solder. But yeah. I swear I've burned myself so many times. <laughs> and it, you know, like it only takes like one or two good burns like that to feel like it happens every time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it's because it's really, really hot. So this is a really cool thing. Uh, something I might look into doing at some point in the future. But I'll have a link to it in the show notes for you guys to check out. So, Will, who's talking to us this week? Well, we got a tweet from Greg Lawrence. He said, I am continually impressed with how open and helpful the Nashville software developer community is. Today's at Complete Dev Pod social was another reminder. I met some great people who shared their knowledge and offered support. Makes me super excited to join the community. 
Well, hey, thanks, Greg. We really enjoyed meeting you as well. We'll bring you a water bottle at the next event that we have here in Nashville. And what he's talking about is our developer launchpad meetup group that meets twice a month, once uh, for a coding jam where we meet at Nashville Software School and then another time for a networking social. And that's what we just recently had over at Tennessee Brew Works, which is a local brewery. Well, guys, if you'd like your very own complete developer water bottle, leave us a review in iTunes or comment on the website or any of our social media. We post all our episodes to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Google+. We're also on Instagram, Path, and Tumblr. Check us out each week on Facebook and Twitter Live, where we talk every Monday evening about news in the tech world and answer some listener questions. Or you could join the conversation anytime via Slack by going to slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. It's that time of year again. Will and I are getting ready for Nashville's premier polyglot technology conference. This year, Music City Code has combined forces with Music City Agile and Music City Data. And by their powers combined, they form Music City Tech. Have you ever wondered what it's like to record a podcast? Sit in the audience as we host a panel at the conference that will later, through the magic of BJ's extensive editing, become an episode. Meet us and the Junior Developer Toolbox crew at our booth and get some cool CDP swag. Music City Tech is a three-day event ranging May 31st through June 2nd, consisting of simultaneous conferences, Music City Code, Music City Agile, and Music City Data, each focused on a particular community of technology professionals all held at Vanderbilt University. Music City Tech is announcing the selected sessions this week. Tickets go on sale April 1st with early bird pricing at 50% off. And attendees can register at completedeveloper.musiccitytech.com. The environment of your office matters a lot. Not only are offices a space where work theoretically gets done, but they're also the primary location where ideas are generated, work friendships are formed, and the majority of non-transit waking time is spent during the week. In other words, it's really important that your office environment match both your personality and the work you're trying to complete. These considerations can help you when you're looking for a new job or when you're trying to find ways to improve your current work environment. They can also help you design your home workspace if you're lucky enough to have one. We'll start with talking about the different types of office environments, then discuss the different ways the offices are furnished. Next, we'll talk about the types of distractions present in these environments. Finally, we'll go over how different types of work will impact the environment in which you work. So starting out talking about the types of office environments, and we want to say first off, Some of these are going to overlap a little bit. There's only so many ways that you can design an office. And so even when you have different types of offices, some of those designs will intermingle and some things are going to be the same across the board. Yeah. So let's start with the first one. And this is the open floor plan. And that's where everybody's crammed into one shared area with no barriers um, or very minimal barriers. This is pretty much awful. This is a scourge of programming environments. Uh, frankly, I don't like these kind of environments. Don't like to work in them. Don't want to be in them. Don't even want to visit people in them. If this is the scourge of programming environments, why is it so popular in Silicon Valley? Well, uh, because it's cool to the people that don't have to sit in it. Um, it's, you know, you got a bunch of people working on different tasks and yelling back and forth and all the racket and all the visual distraction and you know, people on different schedules, people that are on the phone, people that are trying to focus and work. You know, you got people that can interrupt other people. It's pretty chaotic. Um, it does look good for the bean counters, however, because you're not spending a whole lot on furnishings. And that's important for a lot of uh, short-lived type companies where they're hiring a whole bunch of people. And they're like, hey, we're not going to be around in three years, maybe, because you know, it's it's startup VC-backed and all that. And they, they're not going to do the depreciation schedules. They're just getting minimal equipment. They cram people in there and they try to get stuff done. Well, what's interesting is I work from home three to four days a week. But our office space is actually an open floor plan. Yeah. The whole team is there one day a week. And we just we count that as a day nobody gets any work done. Right. And, you know, I'm sitting beside someone working on something. I'm like, oh, hey, you're you're also doing something similar. Check this out that I found 
when I was researching or something like that, or like we could share better. Well, that's the idea, right? It's supposed to, I mean, that's one of the reasons Silicon Valley really pushes it is it's supposed to help with cross pollination. Of course, the other thing is they have really high real estate prices. And so walls take up space. So you know that's really the reason, but they say it's because collaboration, it's a bunch of junk. Um, now you can have people in an environment. I'm sure there are at least some environments where all the people there are respectful. They have common courtesy and, and all that kind of stuff and they don't get too loud and they don't interrupt and mm-hmm. you know, all that sort of stuff. But for just like a general population of, I'm just going to grab a bunch of it people and put them in a room like that. Most of them aren't going to have it. Um, the next one down is team offices and that's a large office with three, sometimes up to 10 people in it. Most of them I've seen have been like three to six mm-hmm. people. And that's everyone in the same group. So it'd be like your table. If they put a wall around that, that would be a team office. Yeah. Um, you might have separate desks in there, but it's a, you, know, you got a group of people on the same project, you know, kind of on the same mission. So that, that kind of cuts down the interruptive things that are breaking the mission. There is another department in the state that does that. They have the standing sitting desks that roll. And so when they're put on a team, that whole team moves their desks into the area their team office area. And so you'll have two or three developers, your BA, your QA, everybody is all in that one area working together. Yeah. But they're shut off from everybody else. And I've, I've been on some teams like that and I thought that was incredibly good. Yeah. I would actually enjoy that. Um, I will tell you, it does make you a little tired because it's sort of like, uh, it's sort of like pair programming or mob programming type stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. except everybody's working, you know, at, at the same time. In that because all the other people around you are working and they're working on the same thing, there's no plausible deniability for, you know, screwing around and not getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. And, and so you get to the end of the day and, and you've, you've legit worked, you know, six or seven hours, you know, just really buried into code. And that can be really tiring, especially if you're not used to it. Yeah. It, it's something that yes, that does take getting used to. Now, it, an interesting thing on this is what we had before we went to work from home is we had rows of cubicles. Our teams sat in groups within those cubicles. So you'd have like the person sitting across the row from you or right in front of you was on your team. Right. So you didn't have to yell when you needed help or get on the phone. It's just right. like you could just kind of scoot back and talk to them quietly. Mm-hmm. And we, we developed our own rules around that. Like, all right, if my headphones are on, then I'm deep in thought. Don't bother me. If my headphones are off my ears or around my neck or sitting on the table, then it's okay to come up and talk to me. That was like one of the rules that we had. And you kind of got to develop those own rules for your team yeah. in these team office kind of spaces. And I think the other thing too, is a lot of times the people in those, uh, those environments, they're working on the same projects or the same type, or they're under the same command structure. Mm-hmm. So like if, if one person's being loud, that person's boss and the person who's being interrupted's boss are the same person. So, you know, if you go to them and go, Hey, look, this is, this is going to be a problem. You know, it's not, you know, it's not an act of Congress to get that fixed. And along similar lines is the next one, which is the shared office. And this is a small office with just a couple of people in it. Right. And that's what I work in day to day. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, most senior Delphi developer and I share an office and a lot of our stuff, we collaborate because I'm having to use chunks of his code or not really chunks of it, but I'm having to call out to some of his stuff to do low level operations. And then there's a lot of database stuff that is kind of shared between the two. And so we work together on that stuff and that also works very well. It's maybe even slightly better than the team office. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem with uh, the smaller office like that can be like, if you're, if you're working with somebody that gets a lot of foot traffic going to them, needing help, uh, that that can be a little disruptive. You know, whereas in a team environment, you're kind of used to it, and it's they're going to all the other people in there mm-hmm. versus just one. Well, it's similar to what you and I had when I first started out because you were working from home, and I would come over here and you you put a a little desk a little desk in your office, and I would sit there and work on stuff. At first, it was working on tutorials, and I could ask you questions, or if you saw something that you wanted to show me, you could be like, hey, come over and look. That sort of evolved into you giving me tasks to do, like things to build for what you were working on. Once I started working on my own projects through you, I moved out of that office over into the server room where we're at now. Right. And I, I did that intentionally, right? Because yeah. the the paired office like that, 
or the shared office, however you want to call it, is perfect for mentoring somebody. Um, mm-hmm. But once people start kind of getting out on their own and doing their own projects, it's not as good. The next one is the private office. Yeah. And this is meant to be a real office with a door that actually closes, not a cubicle, not a cubicle with an open top where all the racket comes in. And it needs to be real walls, not glass. I've seen places that have glass offices, 360. Guys, if I wanted that experience, I would go to Chattanooga and jump in the aquarium. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like that seems worse than any, like, I mean, being in a fishbowl, basically. Um, But I I know people that do that and they're happy with it. Oh, I can't stand that. And private offices are really good for deep, complicated work, usually by somebody with some experience. In other words, they already know what they're doing and they need to go in there and do it and focus. Mm -hmm. So something that I've noticed you don't have on here, and that is cubicles. Yeah. Did you leave that off on purpose? I think think of cubicles as a furnishing. Um, And and the reason I say that is because I've seen uh, shared offices Mm -hmm. where both people have cubes. Or team offices where there's four people with cubes. We got one at our office. And then I've seen open offices, you know, open plans basically, but you got cubes and like short walls, but everybody, all the rackets in there together. And so I think, okay, it's how many people are in the office versus what's in there with them. And yeah, that's kind of how I divided. I guess it, it. kind of depends because where I was working, you had air conditioning ducts going over and a lot of white noise. So you couldn't hear what was going on in the next cubicle unless you were focused on it. Yeah. So even though we did have, the open top cubicles for me, it was, you couldn't really hear what was going on around you because of all the noise from the air conditioning unit. Yeah. And it's kind of a blurred, you know, the lines get blurred. Yeah. Um, And that, that's why I separated it. Like I did is because there's really several different axes on this thing. Mm -hmm. So going back to the, the private offices, they also work well for management who need to have private conversations. Yeah. So like if you get written up, um, you don't want that to happen in an open office. You know, like there's certain HR type conversations that cannot happen with an open door. And usually these open office plans will have a few places for those type of conversations or for, hey, I need to go get some deep work done right. if they have any realistic expectations whatsoever. Yeah. Of course, the thing about that is, is if if that's not your manager's office, what do people see? They see your manager come out to get you get you and then walk to one of the private doors and close. Um, that looks very, very ominous versus, oh, you're sitting down and talking to management and you just decided to close the door real quick to talk about something. It it, it depends because it it depends on the way your manager works. Well, it depends on the gossip in your office too. Well, that that too, but like it, it really depends on your manager's style of management because your manager may want to talk to you about an idea they have. Because this happens a lot where I work, where our executive director will have an idea and she'll pull me in there and one of our UI developers and be like, all right, so I've got an API developer and a UI developer. I want to know how realistic is this idea that I have. It facilitates a lot of conversations that probably do need to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, is the big, you know, the big takeaway either. Uh, you know, personnel decisions or technical decisions where not everybody needs to be involved. Mm-hmm. I know people like to talk about collaboration, but every every team has got a couple of people on there that just do not need to be involved in technical decisions, either because they're not there yet or because they are overwhelmed and they don't, you know, and they tend to jump into stuff. You know, there, there's a lot of reasons or for Or they may have the ability and, you know, desire to learn it, but they just talk too much. And it's like, all right, we don't need them in this meeting because all they're going to do is sit around and talk about how they did something similar back in the nineties. Right. And they're going to go off the rails. Yeah. And so um, it, that's why the private offices for management is probably mm-hmm. fairly critical. The next is the war room, which is the second worst. I was going to say, this is my least favorite, but yeah. yeah. And this is where a team working on a specific deliverable sits around a conference table. And I've had this happen to me. And I got pulled from my project, sitting in my cubicle, into a war room with this team that I did not know. Developed some really close friendships out of it, though. Yeah. And I've been in this situation before where I worked for a – I was was going through a recruiting company. They put me out at a – I don't know what what you would call it. It's basically a shop that has, you know, consultants that go out to places. Mm -hmm. And they sent me out to a company that was doing work for another company. So there's like four layers of people making money off my hours. Like I had to file like four timesheets. I remember you telling me about that. And that was awful. Um, but what they did, you know, they work on the project 
And then when they have two weeks left before the project goes live, they go to the client site. And the clients basically had uh, these like kitchen counters that, that you, you had your laptop and you would sit it there and you would work. And the whole team was in there. It was not ergonomic. The edge was sharp. I started having um, carpal tunnel symptoms within a, you know, a few days and you were jammed in. So like, like where I'm sitting right now, I've got the same laptop and I have space over the side for a drink. I didn't have that there. There was another person that close on both sides. Wow. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Cause and, I'm looking at it and that's not like, that's not enough room for a fat guy for, for where your drink is. My mouse pad is in that same amount. Yeah, of space. You couldn't have a mouse pad there. Yeah. That no. And, and that was the war room type thing I'm, I'm talking about now. It's supposed to be done for a very short period of time with the defined ending. I don't like this practice. I think it's completely idiotic. There's a theory that it helps with productivity of a team. It burns people out and it increases turnover. What it's, it really does is it causes people to work just hard enough to get out of that situation. Yeah. It's a it's a pain compliance technique is essentially what it right. is. Um, They're now, twisting your arm to get work done. Um, now, I've also seen uh, the war room type set up. You know, when it, when it's the end of a project and they're just they're trying to twist your arm, like they they do it that way, right? Um, but the other thing I've seen is where they'll say, "Okay, we're kicking off a brand new project." In other words, we're starting from ground zero. Everybody get in a room, and we're going to plan the base of the application. We're going to pick a you know dependency injection framework. We're going to uh, you know come up with with the conventions for how the app mm-hmm. is laid out. See, I don't the, see that as a war room though. Yeah, but they do that like that war room type scenario. Sometimes for like the first week of a project and then everybody goes to their cubes. See, I've had something similar, but not exactly. It wasn't you had to be in the war room all the time. It was, all right, you've got, it's a week of basically meetings all the time. And so they may have reserved the same conference room for the whole week. Yeah, this was like a reserved conference room with laptops. Yeah. So, so you, you take your laptop in for two hours. And then you go back to your cubicle for a couple hours yeah. and then you come back. And, and so like what my experience with that yeah. wasn't quite the same. So I would not have, I wouldn't have thought of it as a war room. Yeah. It wasn't. I mean, when it's been done that I, that I've been in, it has not been uh, really death marchy like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has, like you said, two hours on yeah. an hour off maybe. And then you come back and you know you can leave your machine there because the other thing they were, they were thinking is like, look, everybody's working really hard. They're thinking they're having to collaborate. And when, Things get to a certain point. People need to be able to get them walk around, yeah, and do all that kind of stuff. And people were free to come and go too. Done. Yeah. So I, no. I I really like that for that case. Now for the other case where it's punitive and it's the end of the project and oh by the way we lied to the client about stuff getting done on time. This is not my current employer. This is a former yeah uh, gig. They they did that. They lied to the client and then they pulled us all into a war room mm-hmm. scenario so that we could work eighty hours a week in that environment. Yeah. And when this is something that recurs. It's a sign of bad management or basically. no management. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting because had that happen and we, we got everything tested and out in time. Um, and that was, that was right around Christmas, my first year, like a couple of years ago. Yeah. Where, where I'm working now. And then we had another project where we had a developer leave. And so it fell on. Basically, myself and the other developer that was in on that team that I got pulled onto, we were on a team, and it fell onto our team to finish this project. Uh, this was before we had gone to work from home. I remember our executive director saying, hey, do I need to get a conference room for them? Because, hey, that worked once before. And our lead developer went to bat for us and said, if you want to get them to work harder, send them home. You send both of these guys home, they'll work twice as hard, not because they, they're they lazy in the office, but because they don't have any distractions. Yeah. And that brings us to the next point, right? Which is the home office. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you work from your own home. And uh, that can be done full-time or part-time. Um, I've worked at a couple of places that it was a, a couple of days a week. Mm-hmm. And where I am now, it's, it's a little bit more ad hoc. I would like it to be regular, but it, we're not there yet. Like there's infrastructure stuff that has to kind of be done. Uh, for the dev team to be able to do that, I guess technically where I work, it is full time. Yeah, you go in. Well, you go in on Wednesdays. Yeah, I go in one day a week, and that's that is our team day. That's team building. Yeah, I think the big thing with home offices, besides the lack of interruptions, uh, mm-hmm. which is a big thing, right? If you're 
if you're focused and you know what you need to do. But the other thing is it also forces people to plan yeah. ahead because they, they end up, you know, there's, there's a certain type of person that doesn't think ahead. And so when they run into a wall, they have to go get somebody and they don't anticipate the wall coming up. Well, with, you know, with home offices where people work from home, they may just be screwed if that happens. Mm-hmm. And so they have to plan or they fail instead of making other people fail. That's the biggest benefit of a home office. The, the trick I've noticed, and this is, we, we have a lot of infrastructure around working from home. It, there is some benefit to it, actually. I'm, I'm really seeing a lot of the benefit now because, you know, we have communication protocols. We have certain ways we do things that because we have those, it's made it a lot easier to get in touch with someone or if I need something done, I know how to go through the process to get that done. You know, since I can't stand up and walk over to their cubicle, I, I can actually go through the right process, the right channels and get that done. The, the thing about working from home is it is great when you have to be deep in thought. Yeah. And it also uh, is a really good benefit for your team members that do have a good work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the ones that don't, it's going to show that out like no other. And no. the fact of the matter is in an office, people, you can have people that have a really poor work ethic that are there you know, a lot. And so they look like they're hard workers when they're really just a butt in the seat. This can be tricky though for junior developers or people that don't have the right setup for it. Right. I was thinking of a particular conference call I was on one time where the, where one of the other developers was working remote and he's sitting on the couch with his laptop, which, you know, management doesn't want that. They want you to be at a desk. You Mm -hmm. have a dedicated workspace and he's talking, right? So the video is on his face. And all of a sudden, there's a blur and a cat's butt <laughs> because the cat jumped up in his lap. And so he's talking about something. And all of a sudden, there's the business end of a cat. Wow. Yeah. If you're not set up for it, work from home, not a good deal. Because, I mean, it landed on his keyboard, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, you, you got to have the setup for it. And it's, it is a little bit more difficult for junior developers. Though, honestly, the setup that that I have already worked because most of the time I was asking you questions anyways. And you were like, and it wasn't, how do I do this? It was, I'm looking for information on this. Where do I go? Or I looked this up. Can you explain what this means so that I can understand it to use it? Well, and I think, I think that is one thing you're looking back on it that I, I feel like I did pretty well with is the way I mentored you and the way I structured things I thought about, okay, if I was your manager and somebody trained you this way, would I hate that person? And that was sort of my core thing. And, and I think that probably, you know, is that and the fact that like, I don't want to get on the phone with anybody mm-hmm. probably pushed a lot of that where you, you were pretty well adjusted to a mobile or remote workflow before yeah. you were put in one. Um, but a lot of junior developers are not. They go to, you know, code schools or whatever and they're working with people and they get dropped out in the environment and, they don't even know how to approach a senior member, how to find somebody, how to navigate all the politics, you know, like that stuff wasn't there. So it, it makes a difference. Um, the other thing that gets you on work from home uh, that can be kind of challenging is you have to spend a little bit of extra effort to show that you were productive. It, that depends on the environment you're in. Yeah. Like yours, I think, is probably set up where like that's part of your workflow. Like there's check-ins and there's stuff happening. Yeah. So like if you're using Git or or some other source control similar to that that doesn't stink like yeah. tfs yeah <laughs> actually no it's not we've got an old version of tfs uh, and see we're using tfs yeah. with git so yeah but like if you're using something like that then it's really easy to go all right here's all my commits for the day i i actually push twice a day or it depends on when i finish like if i f- if i'm working on the same story all day long i may only push at the end of the day yeah. But if I'm working on, if I finish up one story and then like if I do two stories in a day, which sometimes happens, then I'll, uh, I'll push twice a day. Yeah. Our stories aren't that granular. <laughs> so, you know, you might go for three or four days before you do a push because you'll break the build for everybody else. Yeah. And so what I do is, you know, when I finish the day, I write a summary email of, you know, here's what I did today. Uh, here's the stuff that blocked me. Here's what I'm doing tomorrow. If you notice, that sounds an awful lot like a scrum conversation. Mm-hmm. So I do that every day. Uh, first thing in the morning, I get up and um, I write out what I did yesterday, what I'm doing today, what impedes me. So that when we have our day, our stand up, I've already got it written out. 
But also, at the end of the week, we have to send in a weekly report, status report, what you worked on this week. Yeah. And so I just go through that, and I'm like, all right, here's all the things I did, and I just type them up as I as I read it, flip the page, type it, flip the page, type it. Uh, and I think that's part of the deal with, with your setup versus ours, is yours is remote first, ours is remote as an afterthought. Yeah. And you, you kind of have to have that infrastructure in place. Um, so now that we've gotten through that, there's another thing that comes into play is the office furnishings. So you might get a real desk. Um, and I put that in quotes. That's like the old school, like actual desk desk, not I went and got a uh, cubicle, you know, from Office Depot or whatever. Um, these can be good, but they often aren't built for modern office environments, um, which means they don't have storage where you'd expect it. The keyboard tray is non-existent or um you have to put your keyboard on your desk. Mm-hmm. I've seen that. Yeah. I mean, that's what I've got, at, you know, at, at, at work and it's an old style desk. And so like I end up slouching and, and pushing myself way up under the desk so that I can rest my arms mm-hmm. on the desk. Um, and so sometimes that can be a little bit problematic. The other thing they do is they, um, you know, they tend to be more expensive than cubicles. They're heavier materials. They also reflect sound a lot more than they absorb it. Yeah. That makes so sense. if you got a room full of those, and those old drawers where people are, you know, pulling it out to get a bag of pork rinds. That's disruption city real quick. You and the pork rinds. I always, always. Actually, that reminds me. I need to go to the grocery store. I'm almost out. So speaking of cubes, though, the next is cubicle. And these tend to provide a little bit of privacy. Yeah. At least. And they also tend to be used a lot more instead of private offices, basically because they cost less. We had our walls were... Um, cloth right. on our cubicles so they absorbed sound really well but they also worked as a pin board so you could pin stuff up to them Yes, um, which was really nice and they, they can be pretty okay for, for workers. Yeah, You can get a lot done in a cubicle especially if you got a good pair of noise cancelling headphones and an office environment that is not very loud and disruptive. Yeah. Um, I will say the, the big thing with cubicles that I forget what the exact accounting rule is, but there, there's actually a very strong reason for them to do it because of the way they get depreciated or something, and those rules may have changed last year. You know, huh. it's it's one of those things that it's like okay, some regulation that none of us is aware of trickled down on us, and now we have cubicles. Oh, uh, that makes sense. I think they got a shorter depreciation schedule or something. There's there's a reason for it, but and so depending on how your other accounting practices are set up and your cash flow is set up. That may make it where you can say we had a loss instead of a profit, and so we don't pay as much mm. in taxes. That's fair. Yeah. So speaking of a loss, the next is a conference table, and you have a loss of all privacy yep. at this. Uh, this is terrible for extended work if you need to concentrate, but it's really good for collaboration over a short period of time. Yeah, and the last one would be just a kitchen table at your house. Um, you know, a lot of people don't have actual desks, you know, so they'll sit at their dining room table. Really? Yeah. Um, I've always had a desk ever since. I have too. I mean, I've got the desk I had in college in yeah. there because you helped me move it into the, the apartment, yeah. which it was way too big for that apartment. It was. Um, <laughs> I remember but, that. But yeah. I mean, I maybe because my dad was a preacher and he worked from home, for me, having a an office area in my home is so natural. It's weird to think of people not having that. Yeah. And a kitchen table is like the most private yeah. place pretty much. Although you're going to have other people in your house probably running back and forth. The other thing is it's not a real good ergonomic workspace. So you can't work for very long, mm-hmm. you know, without pain unless you're you know super duper careful. But you know, I want to throw that out there is, Hey, that's a thing that happens. And there's more people than you think that are working from one. Oh, I want to add something here. So you've got real desk, but one thing you didn't think about are, while the older desks aren't designed for computers, the newer oh, ones are. The newer ones are. And so, like, what I have and what you have are computer desks. Right. And so, my workspace at home, I work from home. I sit at that same desk every day almost. It has a keyboard tray. Um, Mine did, and then it broke. Yeah. Um, and I set it on, I just set the keyboard on the desk and, no. you know, I'm fine. And, you know, I, it's got a, a raised area to set the monitors on. So I don't have to look up or look down. The monitors are right at eye level. Yeah. So let's talk about the types of distractions that you'll have in office environments. Um, this is yet another axis that, that comes into play. So uh, the first thing you have listed here is something that I've not had in a 
serious work environment, and that is piped in music. So when I worked at the hospital, like the psychiatric hospital, or radio, yeah, be another. Um, we didn't have that. When I've worked at retail stores and things like that, that's where I expect to hear this, not in a serious office environment where people are trying to get work done. I worked at one place where uh, they they played Skinnered all the time, and that was actually okay. It was yeah, like Skinnered, ZZ Top, Creedence Clearwater, you know, like I was okay with that. You know, yeah. you could look at the beard and that's fine. But what's annoying is when you get those places that are trying to be real hip and they're playing, you know, they're just playing music that you don't like. Like um, certain types of techno are not good for me thinking. Certain types are great for it, though. Yeah. Like, a lot of EDM is really good. Dubstep is phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, like, I love I love listening to some Glitch Mob or some Dead Mouse. That is my stuff. Or some old school Lindsey Sterling back when she was hip-hop violin and she threw some dubstep in there. That is that is great. Yeah, it's for, great focus music. Yeah. Or, or, the, or you'll get somebody doing Top 40. Yeah. Which just, ugh. Um, so that's a distraction. It's pretty much universally awful because even if you and I like it, the other people aren't going to like it. Mm-hmm. And so people are going to be irritated all day. So somebody's not going to like it. And they're going inevitably. to express that. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's not a good idea to force that music on people. Yeah. Again, if it's, if the environment was like a retail store, that's different. Of course, the people that work there inevitably hate the music. Yeah. But yeah. Um, another one, and this is kind of my pet peeve, is gaming tables, where they're like, oh, we have a foosball table right next to the development area. Bye. Because what that does, you know, it, it can be fun, right? But it shouldn't be in a work area. Um, what ends up happening is the people that are the boss's pet go and they play foosball and they disrupt everybody else. Mm-hmm. Because the rest of the team is like, hey, I can't be seen not working. I don't have enough clout to do that. And it just, it really puts a bad spin on stuff. Um, I've also worked at places where there were gaming consoles near the development area and people be you know playing first person shooters with the sound on, like not in headphones, but like just right there on the clock. And you're like, what, what are you doing? <laughs> um, it also does not encourage professionalism in any way whatsoever. We, we joked when they had taken down all our cubicles and just this huge open space. Oh yeah. That's a nerf built- gun battle. Needs oh, to yeah, happen. We, we, we did. Okay. We had we had some fun. Like we would come in because we we didn't have to come in on Wednesdays then. There yeah. was about a, a month there where we only had to come in if you had a meeting with a client, like with one of the other divisions. And so we would come in and go down to to check out the progress in the area. There's just this big open area, though. Uh, we are surrounded by um, Office of General Counsel, so all the lawyers have. Other than the one wall with our management has offices around all the walls. So we, we had to be really annoying to them. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Um, another thing that can be a problem is other people's phone calls, conversations, coughing, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've ever worked in an office environment where you've had that one person that's constantly had the thing in their throat. Where they're like, <clears throat> and they do that like once a minute. No, I haven't worked in an office environment, but I've worked on a podcast with someone that did that. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> I don't do that. You did this past fall. I did this past fall. I yeah, cut I had it a off. lot of sinus stuff. Yeah, this last and, fall. I, and I don't pick on him too much about it because I understand that. But yeah, it's uh, <laughs> and when you're trying to focus or you know loud phone calls. Oh, that's um, annoying. Yeah, and I've worked with people that their wives would call them and chew them out. Like that, you know, it's not like they're going through it. You would think, okay, this person is going through a divorce, and and you talk to other people. Go, wow, you know, that's that's really bad. That he's breaking up with his wife, and they're like, really? Finally? And like, what? What do you mean? Finally? And then you find out that, oh yeah, it's been this way as long as anybody's known them. Wow, I actually got in trouble for miscommunication because of loud conversation because I'm used to being home and I get animated. No. <laughs> Like, if you guys watch our Facebook Live, you can really tell how animated I get. But I got really animated in a conversation with someone, and the person took it as me yelling at them. Yeah. And after we talked about it, I was like, I am, I apologize. I didn't even know, like, I didn't intend for that to be rude at all. I was just, like, you know, being verbose and myself, I, I get excited and get going. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of people like that. Like especially like if you're stuck in a room with salespeople, 
or you're yeah. next to the tech support crowd when you're trying to work. Um, I worked at a company that where they stuck us right by the tech support people. And, you know, we're working on, you know, really heavy SQL stuff and, and all this stuff. And there's a guy in the next cube that's, you know, dealing with support issues and talking on speakerphone. That's, that's a bad environment when you do that. Another thing that'll get you is common area noises. So if you're stuck over by the kitchen or the water cooler or the copier um, or next to a door, that can be a constant source of distraction. Um, Especially doors are really bad for this uh, because of the sudden noise. Like if you're right near an entryway, Mm -hmm. because people pop the door open and you don't see them coming. Yeah. Um, And so that that can kind of be fairly jarring. Another thing I've experienced has been uh, loudspeakers. Uh, and that usually indicates that somebody in management doesn't know that developers have to concentrate. You do need to kind of watch for that, like look for the speakers and try to figure out, like, if I'm going into this environment, is that thing going to be making racket? On the same lines are equipment noises. And this can be issues in an industrial environment or like where I work, we're in the basement. So yeah, we air have conditioning. air conditioning. They actually pump in white noise because the air conditioning noises are not consistent. Right. And this became a problem when we created this open environment. Well, they built us a conference room, but it doesn't actually have a roof. So it goes up probably like eight to 10 feet right above the conference room table was one of the white noise speakers. Yeah. So you can hear in the conference room. Yeah. (laughs) I've been to places like that. (laughs) It came right down on the table and then bounced out. Of course, it got absorbed by the walls of the, the room. But it was just like, if you were sitting in that conference room, you could not have a phone call. So, like, we, we would have a, a call in the conference room. They couldn't understand what was going on because they heard the white noise louder than the people sitting right in front of the phone. Yeah. I've been in environments like that. Yeah. Another thing that can be dis- you know distracting is uh, interruptions in your uh, visual field. So, like, if you're facing a walkway or um out of, you know or there's one out of the corner of your eyes actually a little bit worse than directly facing it because if you're facing it you see the person whereas if you if it's out of the corner of your eye you mm-hmm. see the movement and you, you look and another thing that can be a problem too is you know stuff like glare from windows so if you're facing west you know out, out of a window basically when the sun starts going down that's in your eyes Oh, that's so annoying. Yeah. And there's always that one person that's like, oh, let me open the blinds in here so I can get more light. And it's it never is like mm. hitting them. Yeah. Um, Next is when your back is to an open door. Yeah. And this is my least favorite. I know anybody that's, you know, that grew up as a kid and got bullied a lot and jumped a lot. We do not like having our backs to a door. I know. <laughs> yeah. You and I are both that way. Yeah. And it makes it really hard to block, you know, to have headphones on to block other noise. Because now you can't even hear somebody coming up behind you. And so they scare the crap out of you. Um, mm-hmm. I worked with one guy who thought that, oh, wait, Will's very clearly focused and locked in on something. Let me wave my hand in front of his face suddenly. And he just about, like, I pulled the punch. Yeah. Because I, I'm like, I'm somebody, you know, something's here. I had headphones on and I was focused and just, you know, and he had, he had a question that could have waited. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, you know, that. Don't make people jump. This is why we have asynchronous communication. Like, you know, you and I use Hangouts throughout the day or email. We have Slack at work where I can send someone a message and be like, if it's not, I don't have to know right this second. Right. You know, I can, I can send you a message and be like, Hey, you know, when you have a chance, can you answer this question? Yeah. And at my work now, I've got my back to an open door, but we have a culture that's mostly geared around not as many interruptions. We're trying to get those down. And that's really the only way this can work. Um, another one that can be pretty frustrating in an office environment is vibrations. Um, that can be the result of heavy equipment or nearby road roadways, train tracks, uh, elevators, those kind of things. They're subtly distracting and at times can make you sick depending on the vibration. Because mm-hmm. there's certain frequencies that you, you don't hear them, but they just make you feel unwell. Yeah. Speaking of feeling sick, another one that can get you in the final one we're going to talk about is smells. This could be other people's food or body odor. Yes. It can be a problem. Um, I a, worked with a guy, bless his heart, that... <laughs> that's very Southern of you. Yeah. Bless his heart. Bless his heart. We were in a West... You know, he he was in a westward facing office, and thankfully I didn't have to go in his office very often. But sometimes I had to, and I had to stay in there for a couple hours. And he did not use deodorant because he's he thought he was allergic to every kind of deodorant out there, um, which seems rather unlikely. Like there's something you could do, body powder. Yeah, um, but he didn't. 
And, you know, that's, that's extremely distracting when you're trying to work if you're kind of almost retching. Mm-hmm. Um, another favorite of mine, another fan favorite is to, uh, you know, when somebody heats up tuna fish in the microwave or Brussels sprouts or when people scent, you know, like get scented candles that are, you know, they smell pretty up close, but some of the volatiles travel further than the others and those are gross. <laughs> yeah. So next we're going to talk about how the different types of projects that you are on can be impacted by your environment. And the first one is internal applications. These are things that you're building to be used within your company. Right. And so like where I work, we have our own timesheet system. Mm -hmm. Well, when people are working on that, they're interacting with other members of the team and it tends to be a lot of short interactions. In a way, everything that I do is an internal application because it is for someone within the department I work for. Right. Though some of them are for them to interact with their customers. Yeah. And you've got a little bit different structure because it's government. Yeah. You know, for good or ill, it's, you know, it's going to work out a little differently than an internal app used in a small company or Mm -hmm. even a fortune 500, you know, there's that kind of stuff, but those apps tend to require a lot of collaboration inside because they tend not to be laid out very well. Mm Mm-hmm. As far as like project plan and here's what we actually want and we're going to plan this thing. You <laughs> yes. know what I mean? Like it's, yes, I do. it's yeah, it gets very, exactly it. it's yeah. very ad hoc. And so your environment <laughs> tends to reflect that. Yeah, that is, that is so true. Um, oh now, if you had internal applications and you guys probably are, are headed this way um, because you've got a distributed team, it's actually going to affect the structure of your app eventually because your team is structured a certain way that it comes mm-hmm. out in the app. Oh, yeah. We, we actually had a meeting this afternoon about one of those because we came across a situation that's not covered in the way it is. And we're the first team to come across that situation. So we're the first one that needs it. Guess what? Who makes it? it. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Well, and, and that reactive mindset, it works out pretty well. I mean, it, you, you end up in the, you can end up in the situation though where it's like, Hey, this is my dumpster fire, but my garbage bags fit. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we, we try, like, because we respect each other, we try not to do that. Yeah. Because um, I don't want them doing that to me on things they build. Right. There, there's that. Next is client-facing applications and whew, white label apps. Yes. And I, my, the one I work on is white label. I don't have to worry about that. Um, so they, they do their own branding. Yeah. On I don't have to worry about that at all. Their own workflow and all that kind of stuff. Um you tend to have a mix of face-to-face communication with the people in your company and computerized or phone communication with externals, maybe with them occasionally coming in, but not very often. Next are client applications. And this is when you're working for an external client. Yeah. So like you're doing consulting or whatever, and usually your communications are mixed due to talking to both your project manager and a client because at that point you spec stuff out Mm -hmm. and there's somebody kind of running the process and that's probably your contact point, but that person still has to talk to the client and maybe you do too. I would say this is probably where we are in most of our business applications because while no, our clients are not external. They're a different department and your organization is big enough. Yeah. So when you've got a client application that you're building for somebody, obviously unplanned meetings need to be minimized because you're on the clock. Mm-hmm. You're probably billing hourly or if you're not billing hourly, you did a fixed bid. And so you cannot afford to waste time, you know, like that falls on somebody in a very obvious way. So unplanned meetings tend to be minimized. So the next one is SaaS applications. That's, you know, software as a service. That's where you're getting recurring billing, you know, for an application that usually another business is using. Yeah. Basically you're working for a large number of external clients. You'll probably not be contacting them directly but you'll need to interface with people in the office. Yeah. And by the way, if you are doing a SaaS application and you are interacting with external clients, be smart and don't give them your internal email address or phone number. Mm-hmm. Because once you start getting a few hundred clients, that's real bad for development teams. I think SaaS apps are probably one of the best places if you want to work remote, you know, that that can actually work out. Now, th- that said, if you have a production problem or you infrequently deploy, you tend to end up in a conference room. You know, when servers are down, everybody goes to the conference room and handles it because nothing fixes things better than putting more pressure on. <laughs> um, War room. Yeah. It's like 
It's like, you know, crushing heat and pressure makes diamonds. However, coal doesn't scream. (laughs) (laughs) So the final project type we're going to talk about are startups. And this is where you'll be working directly with the company founders and on a small team. Yeah. So, I mean, like nimble startups, not like you get VC money and 100 developers. Mm -hmm. And they usually are pretty tight financially, so they don't have room. You know, they can't afford private offices. Mm -hmm. You may not even get really decent furniture. You may get leftover furniture that may or may not work very well. Um, And they tend to pivot a lot. And so... Shared spaces are common just because, oh, hey, we changed direction on this. We need to be able to tell the team quickly and and get going, not have to pull everybody into a meeting room. And so you don't want everybody scattered to the winds. Um, You either want them in a remote environment where you can quickly get them all on a call or you want them in an office, you know, kind of a shared area together uh, because there is a lot more collaboration, a lot more quick feedback. It's not so much about uh, productivity as it is flexibility. Um, So these tend to work well for certain types of environments. They don't really work well for cube farms in my experience. So the final thing we're going to talk about is the types of workers and how the environment will affect them. The first is introverts versus extroverts. We got a great dynamic here because I'm an extrovert and Will is an introvert. Yeah. Even though we're both outspoken. Yeah. Well, Will's an outgoing introvert. Right. So extroverts, may find more collaborative offices easier to work in. And again, that's sort of the space that I have when I'm in the office. When I'm not in the office, I'm pretty much heads down coding. So I'm not needing that interaction. back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the other thing that will happen, though, is extroverts may be more distracted by interruption-driven workspaces. Oh, yes. Because they got to jump in on it. Mm-hmm. versus just going, yeah, that doesn't involve me. I'm going to sit here and work. Um, That's whereas- one of the biggest problems that I have is staying out of other things. And like, I hear a conversation about something interesting. I want to go join it. Yeah. And, you know, for introverts, uh, just all that interaction tends to make us tired. And mm-hmm. so when that's just part of the ambiance, that's automatically a hit to our productivity. The front end developer I work with is very introverted, probably more so than you. At the end of the day on a Wednesday, like, yeah, we'll be on the bus. We'll talk the whole way into the office and we'll go out to lunch. And then on the way back, he is in his own world. And I, I've learned that it is rude for me to interrupt him. Yeah. Because yeah. he's just done because of being in that environment all day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the other thing I, f- I find too is that uh, when it's a really quiet office environment with private offices, extroverts don't do very well there. Because they're constantly getting up out of their seat because it's just like the, their energy source is out there. It's not in yeah. an office. Well, the trick with that, and, you know, like I said, I had the cubicle thing that wasn't completely private office, but we were fairly cordoned off. Um, and then working from home as an extrovert is interesting. Yeah. The trick that I learned was lunchtime. Like, you you had your morning stand-up and you purposefully – spend a little extra time after the stand-up talking to people, and then you went to lunch with people. I saved so much money working from home because I cooked my food at home, but when I was in, in the office every day, I would go out to lunch all the time because that was, like, I could focus all morning long knowing, hey, at 12 o'clock, I'm going to get to go be social. Yeah. And you just hour. have to manage it. Yeah. And, and once you learn how to do that, it really works. Speaking of managing, the next is management versus those being managed. Yeah, and I can tell you from experience that management is a lot harder um, without an office with a door, um, especially if you're having to deal with HR type issues. Um, There was a time that I had to tell somebody they were being let go. And that was very, very unpleasant because I shared an office with my team. And so, like, I had to go in my boss's office with this person. Yeah. And... You know, my boss was in there too, because you have to have two people, but that, and this isn't where I work now that this happened. This was some years ago, but it's just very, very uncomfortable because they see you leave and it, you know, you know, when those people are walking, when you're walking away with that person, that the gossip is starting back in the office because, Hey, well, you know, this guy, you know, he's probably getting let go. Do you think we're all getting let go? Is he going to come back in here? And, you know, and, and, you know, when the first person you talk to almost jumps. Yeah. And that's. That's just really awkward and it's something you don't want. 
know, managing people in separated spaces can be more challenging, especially if you can't pull them all off to a conference room or get them into a separate group chat. Right. Especially if they're, you know, dis- you know, distributed. Mm-hmm. And you don't you don't have infrastructure for that, you know, especially if they're on multiple floors of the same building. Yeah. Or they're on the phone with clients. I mean that uh mm-hmm. that can be pretty rough. One thing too about you know, really heavily shared spaces is that they can increase the amount of interpersonal conflict because people get irritated with other people and they can't get away. However, I've also seen that private offices can increase the amount of gossip because now you can go in there and close the door and talk crap about your coworkers. So you, you kind of have to play it, and it's it's somewhat based on the type of team you have. Like you can't um, have a private office environment or even shared office environments with a lot of gossipy people, and you can't have completely shared spaces with people that are loud and obnoxious. Right. And finally, we have junior versus senior developer. Private offices are harder as a junior because asking for help requires you to go into someone else's space or bring them into yours. Yes and no. I, I kind of had it a little bit of both ways because here I ha- I was in the same space as you. Right. Whereas when I started my job, I was still very junior, but I was in a cubicle. And so I had to go into someone else's space. And and this is one of the things I actually do like about cubicles is it made it easy because. There's the, not a barrier. Yeah. It was like right across the aisleway. I could walk over or right in front of me. I could just walk around the the little barrier there, or I can just stand up and like, Hey, you got a moment. Yeah. And I, my first job out of college, I had a private office. I was a junior dev, had a office about maybe about the size of the room we're sitting in mm-hmm. to myself. And my boss was across the hall in a office about the size of my office here. And it was, it was very challenging to me to, to get up and go and ask a question because I just felt like I was intruding. So that goes back to the introvert versus yeah. extrovert. Because as an extrovert, I have no problem walking oh, across I know. the hall and asking a question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I did. So it can, it yeah. can be an issue. Um, Open offices, however, are terrible for senior developers. I would say they're terrible for advanced juniors and mid-level as well. Yeah. Be- for the same reasons. Because there's the frequency of interruptions can make getting into the flow really difficult. Yeah. Like the place where I work, if I had to come in to the office every day, I wouldn't be able to get anything done. Yeah. And I've had that uh, you know, where I work now, uh, before we really started kind of pushing back on the interruptions, there was one day that I logged them all. Mm-hmm. And I think the longest time, I think that day was like 42 minutes between interruptions. And you can't get into a flow state in less than an hour, more than no. likely. And so it's like, yeah, you're never getting into a flow state. And it was like that every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, once we kind of started, you know, picking at it and figuring out what was going on, it's like, oh, well then let's stop doing that. It's, it's quite a bit better now. Yeah. So that, that's really rough, especially as you're doing complex things. Mentoring too has to be really an intentional cultural practice of a company or the two groups, senior and junior developers are going to have conflicts. Right. So like, uh, where I'm working now, I have a junior dev. And we're very, very intentional about, okay, you spend a certain amount of time mentoring him and bringing him up and, and showing him new stuff and helping him out. And we understand that you're not getting a f- full 40 hours a week of senior dev time in because you're growing your talent in the company. If I was expected to get 40 hours worth of work done, which I actually am, but I, you know, I work more than that, then there's, I couldn't do that because I'm putting my own career at risk. Mm-hmm. But what happens to him if that's the situation? Well, now he can't get the help and he resents me. So you have to, if you're going to have both kinds of people in the same environment, the seniors have to have the time to mentor the juniors. That's, that's true. Your environment might be hurting your productivity or just making you miserable. Knowing what kinds of office environments work best for your personality type, your current task load, and the type of coworkers you have can yield clues to how to fix it if work becomes unpleasant. Shared spaces can drive both collaboration and conflict. So it's important to know what can possibly go wrong in a given environment. Once you know, you can preemptively take steps to mitigate the problems or you could just avoid the environment if it's a particularly bad one. A work environment that doesn't match the work that people say they are doing is 
almost always a sign of some sort of a problem. That pretty much wraps us up. Before we close everything out, Will, what do you have for us this week for Tricks of the Trade? Well, I've got something that's kind of an old programming law, and I can't remember exactly where this came from, and I tried to look it up earlier, but I didn't have any luck. And that is the idea that if you look at the way a program works, you look at the structure, you look at the design of screens and all that kind of stuff, after a while, you can actually tell um, how well the team members got along, which ones worked together, which ones didn't. And you can actually start to see the silos in the organization based on the way uh, programs are laid out, the way screens are laid out, the way uh, verbiage is done, all those, all those sort of things. And the point of all this is, if you look at these office environments that we just talked about, these things are not just about your comfort in a work environment. They lead to changes in the software, some of which are pretty damaging. And so that, that's the reason to bring this up is it does come out and it does matter more than just happiness, right? Because happiness is one thing that you can go, oh, I'm not happy with it. And management's going to ignore it possibly. But if you go, hey, look, this is damaging the software because half of it works this way and half of it works this way because half the team doesn't get along with the other half. Now you're going somewhere. So just pointing that out that that's a thing that you can show to management that actually hits the bottom line when you're having to have these discussions. That's all I got. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. The intro music for IOTs is Hillbilly Hip Hop by Jason Belcher. For references, show notes, and to sign up for weekly emails with extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod and like our page on Facebook to keep up with news about the show. Look for us each week on Facebook Live before we record each episode. Thanks for listening. See you next time.